Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and let you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, Mr. Motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a play play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Millicent, with my co-host, Deanna. Hey, everybody. Uh, today, we got another super, super uh, dope episode. I believe this is going to be another valuable, super valuable and informal episode. And we have uh, Isaiah Jackson, also known as Bitcoin Zay. He's at, He has a new book out. He's the author of It's called Bitcoin and Black America. Black America. He's also the founder of the Blackchain Project, and he's the co-host of the Gentleman of Crypto Podcast. So we're super excited to have him on. So welcome to the show, bro. Oh, yeah, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And uh, just to get right to it, uh, the first question we always ask our guests is, uh, so what was the start? So for you, like, how did you get started in all this? How did you get involved in crypto and the blockchain and all that? Well, way back in the uh, Wild West days of, uh, <laughs> of uh, 2013, um, October 2013 is when I got involved. I uh, heard about it from a friend, um, and you know he basically said, "I don't know anything about tech," and you know that's what I majored in. I, I did some IT as well, so uh, you know he was like, "You know, take a look at it, see what you think about Bitcoin," and uh, I did. And you know, at the time, it was uh, I talk about it more in the book, but it was more of a desperation thing. It was like, all right, financially, I need to do something, so I can't get any worse than what I'm doing now. I was teaching at the time, um, so if you know anything about teacher salaries, you're almost mm-hmm. desperate to do anything outside of it. So that's how it started. However, once I started researching and seeing exactly what it was used for, um, you know, I went from that point into uh, basically saying, "Hey, I need to learn the tech." Um, so that's basically what I've been doing: learning how to code, uh, building Bitcoin uh, products, and you know, back from 2014 uh, up until 2016, that's what I did. Uh, and that's pretty much how I got started. Um, and one of the biggest parts about getting started in the space was not being scared. Mm. That's one thing I do want to tell people uh, listening right now is the first thing I had to do is get rid of all fear because this is something new. It's something nobody really understands. However, uh, you know, once you get into the industry, you'll re- recognize uh, exactly why Bitcoin is needed. So that's how I started. Uh, Got to start with no fear. Though. That's very interesting. You say you had a uh, background in IT. So that's who, so I'm, you went to college for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You went to uh, Howard, right? No, no, I went to uh, NC State. But oh, okay. I spent a lot of time at Howard. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you went to NC. How, how was that? I have family in DC. <laughs> yeah, I have family in DC. I love Howard. DC is my favorite city. So, oh uh, yeah, we, I've never been. So I, I plan, I plan on going to the uh, the Black uh, Blockchain Summit this year. So that's gonna be my first okay. time. 
Yeah, yeah. Shout out to that. Yeah, I'll go ahead and plug that. Uh, September 8th and 9th. Yeah. Black Blockchain Summit. If anybody listening, you want to meet people in person, people you see online, great people. It was great last year. So, yeah. Oh, definitely, How long has it been going on? Do you know? Uh, This is the second year. Last year was the inaugural year. I was glad to be there. Um, I mean, it was a lot of different things between that and regular uh, Bitcoin blockchain conferences. Uh, it was a lot of uh, African influence. There was actually uh, prayer and libations to African spiritually uh, uh-huh. at the beginning. Yep, and it was people from Botswana, people from you know all around the world. So it was a little different, and it was actually better because more sense of family. If you go to a Bitcoin conference, it's just everybody's trying to pitch you something. Yep. Uh, but this conference is more like family, people trying to help each other, and uh, that's what's happening now. Oh, that's super dope. Well, we'll be there, man. I'm looking forward to meeting you too. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And likewise. Another another question I ask is because I always I don't like to assume assume that people know like exactly all these terms and stuff we're talking about. So I kind of like to break things down to the most basic form first. So for the people that's listening, they may not know what do uh, your best way. What is the blockchain to explain that to them? Okay. All right. Well, uh, if you start with Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin is you know the world's first uh, cryptocurrency. It is a form of money. The blockchain is the ledger that keeps up with how much Bitcoin is spent and unspent. So it's basically a private or a uh, public ledger uh, versus a bank, which is a private ledger. So the reason that's important and the reason blockchain is important is uh, when you have a private ledger like a bank, they can do things like charge monthly fees. They can charge overdraft fees. They can switch up your purchases to make you overdraft. Um, So those are the types of things on a private ledger that can happen. Blockchain is good because... Uh, when you have a public ledger, anyone can see exactly what's going on in the blockchain. It's a database that's shared by people around the world. And anybody who wants to download the Bitcoin blockchain can do it right now. If you're at a computer, you can go to Bitcoin.org. You can download what is called a full node, uh, which means you download the entire blockchain. Or you can uh, you can view a blockchain on blockchain.com. You can type in your address if you have a public address, copy and paste it. You can see exactly what was spent, unspent. Um, you can look at all the transactions available. So that's why blockchain is important. Because moving forward, it starts with money. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is the first use case that's worked with blockchain. But when you think about supply chain management, it's cheaper, it's uh, quicker with uh, blockchain technology. Uh, when you think about, for example, Walmart is testing uh, blockchain technology for their produce through IBM uh, because it is faster. And when you have that uh, cryptography able to verify something really fast without the need for a middleman that saves a lot of money so that's really where blockchain is going and you know that's where we are now bitcoin is the best use case for blockchain Mm, that's 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 dope man because people people always (laughs) when i talk about crypto people be like you know they have a hard time understanding exactly what the Mm -hmm. blockchain is and it it makes sense you know because it's it's a a foreign thing really so if you you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so it's the first of, of pretty much of its kind so it's hard to if you're not familiar with what's going on in tech, it's hard to really grab it fully. So I understand it. Yeah. Especially, I do want to point out too, I know some people watch the news and mm-hmm. they see blockchain thrown out. Like, yep. We call it the blockchain stimulus package. <laughs> <laughs> Most of these companies don't know what a blockchain is. They yeah. just know if I put blockchain in my name or blockchain in my earnings report at the end of a quarter, all of a sudden, oh, we're testing blockchain technology. Investors come out of the blue. Like, okay. oh, yeah, we want to. So don't be fooled. Everybody doesn't need a blockchain. It is good technology, but you don't need it for everything. You know, some people try and have blockchain 
for socks. I mean, right. No, <laughs> real. That's real. That's that's you hear some yeah. some crazy stuff. I'll be hearing some crazy stuff when I be going to like these summits and stuff. Like I went yeah. to the, I went to the Litecoin summit last year, and it was like all, it was like all kinds of stuff I was hearing. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Start making up stuff. <laughs> yeah. And another question I asked for, because I know some people might hear this and that not that are that are not super familiar with crypto and the blockchain or whatever. And they might say, well, like, why do why should I get crypto? Like, why is it so important? Why why do I need some? What is your response to that? Uh, my best answer for why you should buy Bitcoin is it's the best form of social protest uh, for those people who understand that the banking industry has been in control for hundreds of years. Inflation has slowly cooked us over time. It's the only way around that system uh, in order to actually send value. And in the case of any type of economic crisis like we just had in 2008, um, it is a great backup plan. And one mm -hmm. of the things I, I want Americans who are listening, uh, we're kind of, I don't know, we're kind of aloof uh, to that point. Like, we don't think currency collapse. What are you talking about? Uh, economic crisis, who cares? Uh, but we have seen in Greece, when Greece uh, had their crisis, Bitcoin went up 20% value. During Brexit, when uh, UK's uh, economy was unstable, Bitcoin went up 30%. In Venezuela, when they started tanking, Bitcoin uh, started increasing in value. So it's literally a global reserve currency uh, that you can use for social change because when you move out of the banking system, you stop funding wars. You stop funding a racist loan uh, system that they've had for years. Um, and you know, that's a lot of the things people don't understand is you're just moving your value from one system to another. Do you want it governed by humans or governed by math? And that's the argument for Bitcoin mm. for the most part. And as Bitcoin develops, it'll become easier for users. But like I said, I was here in 2013. I was here when you had to know about tech to get into it. Now, mm. all you need is Cash App. Yeah. I, I mean, you buy weekly with Bitcoin on Cash App right now. So that's the best part, uh, you know, going forward of, or the best use case, I would say, for buying Bitcoin instead at this current moment. Mm, okay. And I, and I like that you brought up an economic downturn because... I kind of research this a lot, and this is a conversation I'll have with some people. I'll ask, like, like, what do you think in the next downturn? Do you think cryptos will do well, or do you think it'll do uh, they'll do bad? And I always get like mixed reactions. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. um, I think the initial shock will be bad, uh, just because people pulling money out out of uh, out of markets. Period. It's the initial shock, but long term, people will think to themselves, "Hey, this is happening again. What's my options?" In 08, there was no other option. There was no, let me move my money to Bitcoin instead or move to cryptocurrencies. Now, when people think they have that option, I think it'll be an initial shock, but long-term, cryptocurrencies will really take off. Bitcoin, especially as a reserve currency, because we see countries accumulating Bitcoin now. Mm. Um, so even though personally we may think, hey, we need to have a backup plan for if something happens, there's, there's countries like China who are storing Bitcoin, probably looking to use it as a reserve currency so they can move away from the dollar as the world standard. If that happens, people don't understand how quickly things can fall because then nobody has to use the dollar. Right now, it's tied to the petrol. You have to use it. Um, but those things can happen. And at the current rate we're going, some of the, I mean, I just saw a chart today that shows some of the, uh, trying to look it up now. Let's see. Probability of U.S. recession 12 months ahead is predicted by time. We're at the exact same place as 2007. Really? So I'm just looking at chart this morning. So that's that's what I'm trying to explain to people. It's like when it happens, it, Deutsche Bank just laid off 18,000 people. Like, it happens, it happens so fast, right. it's like, now. So, uh, you know, I just want to make sure people are prepared, as well as owning a part of the best money system there is out there, so. Mm -hmm. oh, you go, you go, you got something? Oh, okay. 
And I want to uh, get into your book, uh, Bitcoin and Black America. Do you mind giving like a just like a quick overview for the people? Mm, absolutely. Well, uh, I start off the book telling my story, uh, where I came from to now, so people can get a good idea that I was I'm a regular person. I think people look at Bitcoin like there's some guys with hoodies uh, <laughs> on the ground working, or there's some crypto millionaire on a yacht. It's no, no. It's more people that look like me at the industry than there are those type of people. So I start off describing myself. Uh, go into the basics of Bitcoin, all the different things you need to know to get started. Uh, I explain how we can have a 21st century economy. I basically take the different aspects of you know consumer sellers, uh, uh, people who work at jobs, and uh, and entrepreneurs. Our part in building a crypto uh, system. Uh, for, after that, I talk about education, how we can use it in high schools, colleges, things of that nature, uh, and then going further to describe some of the things that banks have done throughout history so people can get a clear view of what people mean when they say, hey, you need another option because the financial industry is tainted. Most people are like, ah, it works for me. I make money. Uh, I do real estate. I got gold. I'm all good. And when you outline really what banks have done, especially in the black community, it's almost like, why would you want to use it? Or why would you even trust them? So uh, I go through that. And then I finish up talking about uh, blockchain, the project I have coming, just to make sure I put a solution in there. I don't want to write a whole book. Right. And then I solution myself. So that's when I go into the blockchain project and then how we can use Bitcoin long term in black community. Right. Yeah, yeah. And do, like, man, I'm, I'm glad we got you on to talk about this because I feel like crypto in itself, I feel like in the black community, we always catch on things when it's like way mm-hmm. too late. The money's already mm-hmm. all gone. Then we catch on. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, you know, like I invested to real estate, I invest into stocks and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, number one rule in investing is diversifying your money. So you got to be open to looking into things like cryptocurrency. I, I also invest in cryptocurrency because I know you can't, like you said, with the, how the history of the banks, especially in our community and all that, you got to be willing to, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying, to take that to take that risk. And, yeah. you know you know what I mean? So how do you feel More about... More anything, leverage. Yeah, leverage. leverage. Yeah, leverage. Yeah. leverage now. Yeah, definitely. We, we definitely need some leverage. So I always tell people... Especially in our community, like man, I I don't want to say just go invest in crypto, but I'll say look into it. Do your research first, because I'm not gonna tell you. You know what I'm saying? Do your research, and then most time when you do your research, you will want to. I feel like it's gonna sell itself when you do your research. When you you know what I'm saying? Come knowledge, you like damn. I'm just, I definitely need to put a few coins in here, but True. <laughs> yeah. I want to pose a question to people. Uh, you know, listening. What is a bigger risk? Uh, let's say you risk. Let's say a thousand dollars. Ten years from now, will that thousand dollars affect your, your entire life? Nope. What's a bigger risk? Not investing that thousand, or investing it, or investing in Bitcoin, it goes away, it goes to zero, or not investing it and becomes part of the monetary system, and the price of Bitcoin goes to a hundred k, five hundred k, something like that. Because to me, it's a bigger risk to not buy any Bitcoin, to not own any Bitcoin, because it is scarce. There's only a certain amount that's going to ever be uh, printed, and it is. Uh, the ability to own a part of the money system. Um, and I don't know how big people think that is, but think of it like this. When the Federal Reserve was created 100, uh, was 106 years ago, something like that, yep. if they gave you the option to buy stock in the Federal Reserve back then, would you buy it? <laughs> Hands down, no question. Exactly. So that's what I'm telling people is if this money system becomes the reserve for big countries and you own a part of it, the value is, forget the value. I mean, it's, it's going to go through the roof, but you own a scarce uh, a scarce asset yeah. that people actually need to use. So 
Yeah, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. And that's how the, and that's what made me want to get involved because I, I got involved in 2017 and I, I thought to myself, I'm like, what's the bigger risk? It, to me, it was like the bigger risk would be me not getting involved 10 years from now. And I'm like, damn, I had to, I had the resources and the opportunity to get involved early on. And I said, no, and like you said, a thousand dollars, if you're losing a thousand dollars, it's like, you know what I mean? So I, <laughs> exactly. So it's yeah, not a big deal. <laughs> and, and even a hundred, it's hard telling people, hey, just buy a hundred dollars amount left mixed with the fact that the year that it finishes is the year 2140. Uh, we won't be here to see it uh, unless some, <laughs> you know, somebody comes up with some new technology. Right. Live, it'll finish in 2140. The thing is, the supply will be halved or will be cut in half. And by that, I mean every 10 minutes when you learn about Bitcoin, that's where Bitcoins are released. Every 10 minutes, there are Bitcoins released to the network. The people with the most mining power get the most Bitcoins. Um, and that's explained more in the book. But the thing is, it's 12 and a half Bitcoins every 10 minutes, right? Every 10 minutes, 12 and a half Bitcoins release to the network. In May 2020, it'll only be 6.25. It'll be cut in half. So even less Bitcoins will be released to the network, mm. raising demand and more scarcity. So uh, four years from that, it'll be cut in half again. So the supply is getting cut in half on purpose. The, the algorithm actually works that way. Because when you have a supply and you have demand going up at the same for all of our econ people, when you have a set supply and you have rising demand, what does that do to the price? It increases it. Okay. Yeah. And that's what we've been seeing since, I mean, since it was six cent in 2011, all the way up to now, it was $12,000. It's, it's, it's simple math. So if it becomes a, a valuable asset, which it is uh, already, uh, even more valuable down the road, you do not want to miss out on being able to purchase Bitcoins. I guarantee they'll get harder. It's already getting harder. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the over-the-counter business, and it's almost impossible to catch people now. <laughs> so I can only imagine four years from now. So, mm. and that's why I hear so many people say next year when the halving when the halving happens, the the price is going to blow up. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and the road to it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. People accumulate in anticipation. That's one of the things I want to get. That's why I dropped this book when I did a year before. So mm. we've got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Uh, all, I wanted to do it right before colleges came back. All of that, just so they can make sure you know they have that ample time because it's, it's it's time. Yeah, it's definitely time. And I definitely salute you for coming out with this information because this is information. Like I said, I, I believe that's definitely needed. It was mm-hmm. especially within our community because no with yeah. books like that is really no excuse for people that's gonna be like, right, "What's Bitcoin?" Like, nah, you should have already known. You know what I mean? Like, there's no yeah. excuses. You should you should known already. And I'm glad you brought up uh, mining and stuff because I wanted to ask you about some terms. Because I know it's a lot of crypto terms, and the people that's listening, they might not know exactly what we're talking about. So the first one was when people say like a Bitcoin miner or Bitcoin mining. What is what is that? Okay. Well, miners, um, if you think about it like gold, this is the best way to think about it. Uh, when you're mining Bitcoin, all right, uh, just like gold, the more miners you have, the more equipment you have, the more gold you essentially get. With Bitcoin, the more computers you have, the more uh, the more computing power you have, the better chance you have of receiving Bitcoins as a reward. That reward of uh, Bitcoins comes every 10 minutes. Uh, 12 and a half Bitcoins right now uh, is released to the network. So if you have more miners or more mining, you essentially receive more Bitcoin, just like if you were mining gold. 
You got more people, you receive more gold. The barrier to that gold is the ground. The barrier to Bitcoin is a complex math problem. We can't do it, so computers do it. Computers solve these problems, you receive Bitcoin based on it. What that does is it gives miners, um, it gives them the ability to earn in order to verify transactions. Miners are the backbone of the entire Bitcoin industry. If you have a mining rig, if you set up computers to do mining, you are the backbone of the industry because you verify all of the transactions. You actually keep the network going. And in order to do that, you need some incentive. And that's where that incentive comes from. If you do mine, you receive Bitcoins in return and you verify transactions. So it is a process that is a lot more complicated than that. However, at its very base level, more computing power, uh, you can actually earn more Bitcoins. Um, and unfortunately, at this at this point, Bitcoin is almost too valuable um, or costs too much to set up a mining rig that will make you money with Bitcoin. For smaller cryptocurrencies, you can still mine because they do the same thing. Right. You mine it on cryptocurrencies for validating transactions. So you're part of the network. And that's that's one good thing about this money system is who wouldn't want to earn fees on Visa every time uh, transactions went through because you had software at home that verified transactions. <laughs> you would passive income. That's what mining is. Do you um, need to have a background in tech to be a miner, or can the average person do it? Average person can do it. And the best part about mining is the industry has grown up, so you don't have to have a bunch of hardware. You can actually do mining on your desktop right now. There's a website called Kudo Miner, C-U-D-O-M-I-N-E-R, Kudo Miner, where you can actually click on it. It's a one-click download software. Uh, when you upload it, it mines in the background. So me, I'm talking to you all right now. My Kudo miner is running, and I'll take a look at it. Uh, daily earning potential of twelve cent monthly of three sixty. Damn. So, and that's three dollars and sixty cent worth of uh, of Bitcoin. Bitcoin. So if the value increases long term. Damn. I'm not doing anything. I'm talking to you guys right now, and it's just mining in the background of the desktop. So we have. That as one option. Uh, you also have the ability uh, to use uh, mining contracts. I wouldn't suggest it because you do need to know a little bit about tech. But you can do a desktop mining right now. Anybody listening? Well, wow, that's, that's that's super dope, man. And a, another uh, term I want to get to is uh, whale. So when people hear hit the term whale, what does that mean? Oh yeah, well that's somebody with a lot of money. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, whales. You have to play the game if you're a trader because they do control the market um they look at market sentiment and whales basically are the people who have the most money and can have the most influence on price based on where they set their levels of buying and selling so you see whales or the term whale that just means someone with a lot of money um who's trying to trade yeah okay and, uh, with the big like drop last year i know mm-hmm. i mean i heard a lot of people saying that can be attributed to like the whales um selling to make the price go down so that they can start buying up is that true or okay uh i I believe in any market uh the people with most money still run it um but one of the best things about uh bitcoin is it's so early um the liquidity isn't there to keep it from fluctuating as much as it did because as you can see price will go up 13 percent and then down 20 percent and up 15 percent that's because it's not as much uh, liquidity as traditional markets however uh, if you look at the increase and then you look at the decrease and you look at where the price is now, if you pay attention to it long term, uh, since last year, the price is still up, I think, 40 percent. So you have to look at it long term. And I think uh, I think when you have those those industries available like whales, 
you know, in the industry, you say, hey, yeah, whales are attempting to manipulate the market, but honestly, it's more fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 look at market sentiment just like us, and they set their sentiment based on that. So it's too early for the whales to control it that much. Not like J.P. Morgan whales or the uh, <laughs> Goldman Sachs whales. So they do have some influence, but honestly, I think exchanges control trading more than anything. Really? They're the they're the like wills, but nobody calls them that because they're not a single person. But uh, yeah, exchanges probably have more to do with that than they. Mm. And the the last two I wanted to ask was uh, fork and hard forks. Mm. Okay. Yep. Uh, so you have two types of forks: a uh, hard fork and a soft fork. They're both technical terms, so it's not an actual fork. Uh, I've had that. Time <laughs> to say that. Uh, so what happens is you have a, a cryptocurrency, correct? Uh, if you have your uh, transactions on that blockchain, what you do, what you can do is something called a soft fork, where what you do is you take the actual code, the actual project, you shift the blockchain, you change something about it, um, but you don't change the actual blockchain. All right. So you don't change the transactions. It's not a new blockchain. You just may change uh, an update. It's considered a soft fork. Uh, let's see if you add some sort of feature to it. That could be considered a soft fork. These are all small changes where the blockchain stays the same, but you know the currency moves a little different. Now, a hard fork is you move to a completely different blockchain. Like literally, we saw Ethereum do it when they got hacked. Um, oh, yeah, when Ethereum, which is a cryptocurrency, when they got hacked, um, their blockchain got hacked. They hard forked and they formed a completely new blockchain. This blockchain gets rid of the negligent people or the negligent transactions. And then you have a brand new blockchain that continues on forward. So you can hard fork your, your code a hundred times if you want uh, and just call it something different. That's all it is. It's literally just a change to the blockchain to keep it moving forward. So we've seen that with a, a few different coins and anybody can do it. Anybody can hard fork Bitcoin right now because it's open source. It just won't be Bitcoin because yeah. you won't have that history of blockchain transactions. So mm. um, it's, it's something that happens, but it usually only happens when something detrimental happens to a coin like uh, Ethereum's case. Mm-hmm. Is a Bitcoin cash a result of a hard fork? Yep. Yeah. That's, a, that's one example. That's a hard fork. Uh, Bitcoin um, SV is a hard fork. Uh, anything with Bitcoin in front of it, uh, and it's called something else because it's Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Dark, it's a bunch of Those are all hard Yep. Oh, okay. And something else I want to ask was, because uh, a lot of times when I talk, about pe- talk to people about crypto, they'll always say, well, how do you keep it safe? How do you keep it secure? How do you make sure nobody's going to steal it? <laughs> that's always it. That's always the interesting topic. People want to know that. So that's the question that I uh, want to propose to you. Absolutely. And security is number one. So yeah. I definitely want to throw that out there. There's no point in making money uh, if people can take your stuff. So, you know, it's, it's very paramount that you understand. Security-wise, Bitcoin blockchain has never been hacked. I want to repeat that. Bitcoin mm-hmm. itself has never been hacked. All right? You see reports, you see news reports that says such and such Bitcoin got stolen. That was on that person or company. They got hacked. Mm-hmm. Their, they, their system got penetrated. And as a result, Bitcoin got stolen. It wasn't Bitcoin itself. And the way that it stays secure is with cryptography. That's why it's called a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. The cryptography of the blockchain, which is a lot to go into, basically the verification of each transact- block of transactions makes it secure because the longer it goes, the harder it is to reverse those transactions. And because Bitcoin is the longest and strongest chain, it's been around 10 years, it would take 
hundreds of millions of dollars and it would take years to reverse the transactions if you had a full-time team of hackers working on it around the world. Uh, and so it's not conducive. And on top of that, every day that the blockchain moves forward, it becomes more secure. So that's why I tell people, if you download a node, you download blockchain, it's more secure. Uh, and that's actually what keeps it secure for you. Now, you personally, to keep your stuff secure, a couple of things you need to do. Two-factor authentication on everything. If you see uh, the term two-factor authentication, use it. Um, secondly, secure emails. Uh, you want to make sure your emails are secure. We have seen some people who use Gmail. Uh, sometimes things happen if you don't have a business account. Uh, so I would suggest ProtonMail. So uh, that's a, a, a secure way to actually send emails. And also, to passwords. Make sure you're changing them, writing them down, and not saving them. I know some people save them in you know notes or save them in different places. You want to get a password manager for that uh, or you know, write them down on paper. So personally, that's how you stay safe. And Bitcoin, that's how Bitcoin stays safe is through cryptocurrency. Okay. And that's that's, that's powerful. And uh, what, what do you think about um, ledgers and stuff? Um, so ledger, like you referred to the hardware wallet, mm-hmm. there's things called hardware wallets. Uh, ledger, uh, Open Dime, uh, Trezor is another one where you can actually move your coins off of exchanges or offline. Um, and that's very, very important because you can move your coins into what's called cold storage or into a hardware wallet. Um, it can't be hacked. It's right. not online. It's, it's no way for anybody to access it because it's not uh, you know, available for anybody online to take it. So you can move it to a paper wallet. That's another way. Uh, some people don't know about that. You can actually print out a piece of paper with a QR code. Really? Put a million dollars on it. Yeah, you can scan it, put it on there, and you can put it in your safe. Wow. And nobody can know that's a million dollars on that piece of paper. That that's very possible. So uh, that's another way to, to keep it secure. I know. About um, that. Yeah, and I was just, I mentioned Open Dime. Um, I actually have some. I should have grabbed them. But that's like a small bear bond. It's it's tiny enough to fill in your keychain. You can put, like I said, a million dollars on there as well, and keep it on your keychain. Nobody will ever. Nobody will probably even know it's Bitcoin on it. It just looks like a, another USB. So um, these are all secure ways to keep. Your Bitcoin safe, and remember, it's not insured by the FDIC, so it does give you freedom, but you have to secure it yourself. Right. There are co- there are companies doing that now that have FDIC insured accounts where you can give them your Bitcoin, but if something happens, it's gone. So we like to always say, not your keys, not your coin. If you don't own the private keys, if you don't own that wallet, it's not your Bitcoin. So make sure you you stay vigilant, and uh, you know, freedom isn't free. You got to be able to. Right. <laughs> Fair. Gotta be able to, uh, to to keep it close to the chest and, and make sure you're not you know bragging about it, you know talk about it you're everywhere. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, that's real, man. And uh, what are your thoughts on altcoins? But before we uh, get into some, do you mind explaining what uh, altcoins is for when people might hear that mm-hmm. term? Yes, altcoins are a variation of Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the very first cryptocurrency. Everything else uh, came after it. Um, those altcoins that were created, they had different use cases. They have different blockchains. They have different creators. Uh, and the fundamental difference between them and Bitcoin is two things. For one, usually altcoins have a founder. Uh, almost every altcoin right. yeah, has a founder who created it. Uh, Bitcoin's founder is anonymous. And then secondly, um, altcoins usually raise money. Bitcoin never had a pre-sale or a, you know, a funding round. It just started. These altcoins usually have uh, funding rounds or sales. Uh, something called ICOs, which was pretty hot in 2017. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Everybody was coming out with one. 
Everybody. Everybody. I mean, saw, I mean, just through our you know consulting stuff, we saw so many ICO papers come through, and we didn't touch them because we knew yeah. those are securities. Yeah. Like we probably talked to the SEC. We like we know people at the SEC, and we're like, yeah, that's going to be securities, no problem. Um, so altcoins have started off as a offshoot of Bitcoin, you know, cryptocurrency that can be used. But uh, there are a couple differences between how they're used and uh, and who uses. Um, so, for example, Monero is one. Monero is a privacy coin. It focuses on privacy. Um, it, you can't track the transactions uh, at all with the technology that they have. Uh, I write about that in the book as well, uh, being able to have private cryptocurrency. Uh, you have exchange-type uh, cryptocurrencies like Binance. That's more considered tokens, but these are all different use cases but have the same characteristics of Bitcoin. Okay. So what do you, what do you think about coins like Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash? What else? Uh, Ripple? Ripple. Um, oh, man. <laughs> well, I will say Ripple isn't a cryptocurrency right. to me. Yeah, because um, it's, it's... It's a tool to make money off of. I you agree. Ripple and it pumps. It's going to pump again at some point. That's what it's for to me. Because there's no use case for us. I mean, we don't need to send it back and forth. It's more for uh, cross-settlement effects. Uh, but Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin, anybody who has altcoins, you probably want to go with the, the top coins uh, for liquidity reasons because a lot of the altcoins are going to die off. There's, right. I've seen hundreds of them go, and there's hundreds more going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one coin, you thought you got it, you know, one cent, and you're like, oh, <laughs> if it goes to a dollar. No, you got to understand. Yeah, <laughs> you got to right. understand market caps work and price because a lot of these coins their supply is so big they would have to have like for, for instance somebody said ripple one day goes to 300 dollars right <laughs> for ripple to go to 300 dollars they would have to have an almost one trillion dollar market cap <laughs> that's what i'm saying simple math most people don't realize it. they just see people throwing numbers and they get excited it's like oh it's only 40 cents let me get rich no that's not how it works so a lot of the altcoins are going to fall by the, by the wayside but ethereum's pretty much proven at this point uh, Litecoin as well, uh, Monero as a privacy coin. Uh, EOS is emerging. Yeah. Uh, I believe the market cap may have passed Ethereum uh, yesterday. So wow. EOS is emerging. And these are all projects where you use their coins to access their technology, which is a, a change in the way of doing things. So don't get too caught up in the, the term altcoins and cryptocurrency all that. They're literally just value used for that technology. And that's so funny you was talking about ICOs because I remember in 2017, it was like, yeah. I remember talking to people and they'll be like, uh, oh yeah, man, this coin is it's three cent. I mean, I'm about to spend like a couple thousand on this. It blow up. Oh, I'm, I'm like, man. Oh. I mean, <laughs> see, with, with stuff like that, it, I, don't, I hate to discourage people, but it worked for some people. Some people did, I, yeah. I, I can't tell them people, I mean, it worked for us because we, you know, we were already in the market. But I told some people, I was like, some of this will work, but if you're asking me, but I, you know, just jumping into it, would I do it? No, because a lot of people lost money too. They were, Anxious, like you said, they saw the price. They were like, oh, this other coin went times 20. This other coin. But everybody doesn't have the patience to wait. Everybody doesn't have the timing to actually make the trade. Some people just think to themselves, oh, what up 20X? Well, would you have been there? Would you have set a sale order at 20X? Would you have actually clicked sale? It's like a lot of people people would have done it. Some people would have keep going. And that's that's what I try to tell people. So don't look at that and get too excited because there's still a lot of nuance that goes into the industry that the media doesn't pick up on. They, they just make it seem like it's just a bunch of dudes and girls running around making millions of dollars. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's, it's still some skill involved. Right, right. And another question I want to ask. 
so, something else I want to ask that I know this is kind of like a tricky, tricky question because nobody really knows. But I always like like uh, asking people this: like, what do you, what is your uh, guess on like cryptocurrency prices and like let's say like twenty twenty one or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, by twenty twenty one, I think we'll have a fifty k Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think just based off of uh, market cap, uh, the market cap will have to be about three times what it is now. About you know, about four times what it is now, which is uh, right at uh, right under a trillion, which would basically put us on par with gold as reserve. Like a little, it's less than gold as reserve, but it would basically put us up there. And I think that's what we're moving uh, as a safe haven. For one, uh, a lot of rich people are moving their money into it. Yeah. Uh, two, as a payment system, it's increasingly getting better. So people are choosing to use it in countries where there is no other option. Um, there's a there's a lady right now in Botswana. Their currency is strangled by colonialism. They can't do anything else. What, what could they use? She actually started Satoshi Center, uh, Alakami, um, uh, in Botswana. So that's one of the things I think will make the value increase as more countries ban it. India's banned it. China fake bans it all the time. That's going to... People don't understand it's prohibition all over again. Right. I mean, we're doing prohibition. The more they ban alcohol, the higher the value went up. That's exactly what happens when you try to ban something. Um, and I think that's what will try to happen in different uh, countries around the world, only raising the value long term. So by 2021, I think Bitcoin will see 50K. Uh, the other coins, the reason I can't really give concrete answers on those is because they still follow Bitcoin in price, mm-hmm. meaning they're still tied to Bitcoin. People use Bitcoin to buy it. I can give a better answer once there's a good onboarding for people to go straight from fiat to to altcoins. You know what I mean? So when people can basically use cash to buy Litecoin, uh, people use cash and their markets are separate, then I'll start doing it more. But they're still too tied to Bitcoin right now. If Bitcoin's going up, they'll go up too. Like that's all I can really tell you. Right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, but Bitcoin itself is an entity within its own. So I think 50K by 2021. Absolutely. And uh, don't get shaken out with bad news and right. price swings. Buy for the future. Uh, I think anybody buying right now, if you're in it till 2021, you'll be you'll be happy. You're I've good. never consulted a person who's been in Bitcoin more than two years and didn't make profit mm. every single one. So if you have some any kind of patience, you'll be fine. Uh, even people who bought the top in 2017, they're almost back. I mean, people who bought at 16. It's uh, almost there, yeah. Okay. So even though you may have slid, just take a chill pill. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are like, oh my God, I lost my butt. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, we wanted to get you by earlier, but since you did, you know, you kind of got, got to go through a market cycle. So yeah. it's all good. Uh, just got to have some patience. And that's so real, too, because, like, that's crazy. Because I've seen so many people in 2017 buy at the top. And then when mm-hmm. they start crashing, they just start selling immediately. And I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. And one thing about crypto I learned is the patience is the key. Like, I always say, like, if I'm, if I'm investing in a coin, I'm willing to to sit at least three at least three years. I tell you, at least three years. If you're not willing to sit on it for yeah. three years, don't even buy don't it. Need, don't, be rid, that gets rid of thousands of coins right there. Facts. Like, yeah, you won't even look at them. Yeah, patience is uh really really uh the game in this. And uh, so another thing with patience, so I want to ask you is, are you like, are you uh just like pro buy and hold, or are you pro like trading, or you could be pro both. I'm pro. Uh, I'm pro stacking stats, mm. so to say. Basically, buying what you can over time, regardless of price. So, mm. what I tell people is, when, the way I started out, 
as far as buying Bitcoin, I, the first time I bought Bitcoin was 2013. I bought two Bitcoins. That's back when it was two hundred dollars. <laughs> oh so that's a whole different type of buying two bitcoins. If you want to buy two bitcoins today, I hope you got twenty four k laying around. That's how much so that's not really possible for the average consumer. So what I tell people is, what I cut out was I stopped eating out. That's one big thing. That was just a life choice. Stop eating out as much. So it's actually healthier for you. Stop eating out. Mm-hmm. Take that money, forty to forty bucks, sixty bucks, and buy Bitcoin either on an exchange or at a Bitcoin ATM. Uh, which I used to use, you know, the ATM as well. Stack stats over time, keep accumulating, 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 because the scarcity of Bitcoin means that all the Bitcoin that you own, uh, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Um, there's only going to be 21 million. So right. if you own one Bitcoin, you always own that one Bitcoin out of 21 million. So when you're stacking, you know, Bitcoin over time, you're just accumulating and you're just gaining a piece of what could be, or what I think is the best money system. And, that is that's what I'm pro because most people aren't traders, and most people definitely don't have the patience to buy ten thousand worth of something and not look at it every day. Exactly. You know what I mean, like people, ah, oh, what did you say? Oh, what did you say? You know what I mean? That was, that was me early on. I mean, no, I, mean, I know, buy, bro. Every day you checking it, laying in bed, mm-hmm. thinking, all right, man. Maybe by six a.m. the price will go. You know what I mean? You just you don't want that stress. So just stack over time, small amounts, stuff you use frivolously. One less dessert, one less pair of shoes. You know what I mean? Nothing huge, yeah. and you can get in the game that way. Yeah, and I and I I believe that's truly the best strategy. Like I wish that was my strategy from the beginning because for the longest, my, I had a strategy of trying to time the market. And as you know, it's like damn near impossible to time the market. Impossible. I, right. <laughs> I was trying to time it and be like, all right, now I'm about more. And now like my strategy has been like, okay, every one to two weeks. I'm going to throw this set amount in there, really no matter what the price is. Because I, I how I see it is, the price compared, the price right now compared to what the price is going to be three years from now, that's how I look at it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. every couple weeks, I'm going to throw X amount in there and just keep doing it mm-hmm. instead of trying to time the market. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I always tell people that you can look at a chart and think you would have bought it. No. No, I mean, people would look, oh, yeah, I would have bought it. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, and right. People would people I bought it 200 they were like, oh, man, I definitely would have bought like 200 No, you wouldn't. Like, no, you, no, you as wouldn't. Soon as, as soon as you have to figure out uh, how to move it to a wallet, that, that file, and how to transfer it securely from, you know what I mean, you have to meet people in person, no, people weren't doing that. So, you know, it's it's, it's a good way to, to get started, and, uh, you know, long-term is the best strategy in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And uh, something else I want to ask you is because I know a lot of people uh, like say this. They say like, all right, Bitcoin rising or whatever. If it gets to a hundred thousand, whatever, they'll pretty much make the dollar, the USD, irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you think about that? Um, this is this is a quote somebody had. I forget to attribute it to, but they said by the time Bitcoin reaches a uh, million dollars, you won't want to spend Bitcoin. So basically, what that means is by the time it's valuable enough that one Bitcoin is worth a million dollars, so to say, you won't want to spend it because the value that's attached to it will be basically governments own it or uh, some nation uses it as a reserve currency. Right? Mm-hmm. I want people to realize, like, gold is gone. Like, we we don't use it as our backup. So right. I think right. that's, that's what I'm saying. If somebody just decided, hey, we got a large stash of Bitcoin and we can back it up, we can back up our currency with that, that value is going to be ridiculous because think of the U.S. economy. The value has gained over time because everybody has to use the dollar. Yeah. And that's exactly what it's trying to become. So I can only fathom if it hits that price, you probably won't even want to sell it. <laughs> like, I'm not even, why would I? Because by that time, you'll probably be able to buy, I mean, you can now. You can buy houses with it. 
You can buy mm-hmm. cars with it. You can buy food, direct TV, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft. I mean, you can pretty much use it for everything but Amazon uh, <laughs> and Uber. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of stuff. It's a bunch of gift cards you can get with Bitcoin now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's being used. It's just, like I said, when it gets to that price, it'll be a part of our system. Yeah, I, think. I agree. And what, what what do you think about uh, how valuable do you think a dollar will still be like a dollar or it'll be like nothing? Uh, well, let's see. A dollar when my parents were young could get you a gallon of gas. <laughs> a dollar now. Yeah, a dollar now. You can't yeah, even get two bags. You could, you could barely get two bags of chips. Yeah. I, so a dollar. I mean, I, I just going off the statistics from the, uh, <laughs> from the Federal Reserve, the dollar has lost 99% of its value. How much further down can we go? Damn. It costs, uh, I think it costs, it almost costs 98 cent or 99 cent to make a dollar or something like that, some crazy stat. It's basically going to get to the point where it costs more to print dollars than it is to just have digital currency. And then when we have digital currency, people are going to say, why am I using your digital currency? I can use this. crypto. And that's why I think that change is going to happen. And it'll happen naturally because people don't have a choice. Uh, it's happening whether people want it or not. I've been saying it for six years. And now people that work at banks are like, I'm required to learn about Bitcoin and crypto now yep. for my job. You help me. And I'm like, I could have helped back in the day. That's just what it is. That's humans, man. You got to wait wait for the time. Mm-hmm. And what, uh, what do you think about Bitcoin ATMs? Because I know some, like, uh, I was actually at one point thinking about like purchasing, purchasing, purchasing one for as an investment and getting one like set up at a, a location or whatever. And what do you think? I know a lot of people thinking about getting into that. What do you think about that? Well, I got you. Uh, for anybody listening, and you as well, Xavier, I actually own a Bitcoin ATM. Oh, really? Uh, Orange County, yeah. Um, and one of the things I'm about to set up is a Bitcoin ATM group. I want to get everybody wants to invest uh, to buy Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, one of the biggest hurdles to it is money transmission license. That's 100K off. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I heard. Well, most people are like, oh, hell no. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> not doing that. So one of the things I found was a company that already had a money transmission license but moved to the Bitcoin ATM market. Um, I can't give their name out for NDA reasons, yeah. but they actually can license your ATM. So all you would have to pay for is the cost of the ATM and the monthly rent. And after that, it's all profit. And the cost of the ATMs, most of ATMs run you like six to ten thousand. Uh, that's nothing compared right. to the profit that comes, especially in bull markets. When people are buying two thousand, five thousand worth of Bitcoin at a time, and you're taking anywhere from eight to twelve percent, uh, it can get real, real lucrative uh, at that point. So that's one of the best things about it is I found somebody a workaround, so everybody doesn't have to get money. I've had, I've had plenty of people ask, and I'm like, look. That mark that that money to Mr. License, as soon as they hit you with that yeah. number, a hundred K and right. ten thousand location. But if you can get it licensed through a company and they pay you a percentage out of it, because they do handle the logistics, security, physical security, cash on hand, all that stuff, you get your percentage out of that. So it is residual income. And it's more than owning an ATM, it's owning a location. Mm. That's what I tell people is you get a Bitcoin ATM somewhere, that's your location. I mean I mean you can do the paperwork how you need it, but that's basically your location. Nobody, it's only 5,000 Bitcoin ATMs in the world. Wow. So, and uh, the average bank has about 15,000 a piece. So it's still at the ground floor. Give me a little minute to promote the book and, you know, get the startup going. But Bitcoin ATM group, I got you. I got it. Bet, bet, bro. Now, how to buy, how to get into it. And yeah, so I got everybody listening and you as well. That's a great way to make residual income. Like I said, nobody, you don't do anything with ATM. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely keep me on the loop on that because I've been interested in that for a while. And I just been, yeah. and then I found out about that that fee to get started. I'm like, man, what the hell? I'm like, it got to be some way around this. But <laughs> that's what I said. I've got to be a way around that. <laughs> for real. Yeah. So I'm, I didn't even so like I the. Like I didn't know people would actually go to Bitcoin ATMs and buy Bitcoin that way. Oh man, I was I was doing it. Yeah, I was doing it every week. Oh, that's how uh, you was doing it. Yeah, that's how I was doing it. Okay. Uh, simply because exchanges, the wait times are not good for traders. Like when I was trading and I was actually making profit and like just you know kind of yeah. it out, or if I was buying some, uh, I didn't want to wait to put it in the bank, buy through it, and go on to be here in six days. Oh, I got six days, point based. That's why I got off of there. Uh, got off of Coinbase. Never using it again. I can't. I always tell people not to use it. Uphold is so much better. It's a lot of better ones than Coinbase. But yeah, that's ATMs have been around, just not really known. And now that people are starting to know them, it's a great time to get invested in it. Oh man, see that's that's crazy, man. Yeah, only uh, I got I got one more question for you. I want to talk about the blockchain project. Do you mind explaining like what that is? Absolutely. Well, I saw a problem. Um, black business owners only receive about 1% of uh, venture capitalist investment. Um, and even worse, black women only get about 0.2% of mm. venture capitalist investment. And on the flip side of that, um, 60 to 65% of wealth in this country is stored in businesses. So a lot of the people who have these net worths, their money is in investment or invested in a business. So that's where the money is. And one of the biggest things I wanted to solve with blockchain was the ability for black business owners to receive peer-to-peer loans and crowdfunding using either fiat or cryptocurrency. Um, and that's the biggest step in it is the fact that if you can accept crowdfunding and cryptocurrency, you can get it from all around the world uh, instantly. It's not like, a, oh, we do a crowdfund and the money has to transfer through the wire, you know, wire transfer. And it's, you can actually do it through cryptocurrency, verify it, and move forward. Um, and since a lot of black business owners aren't getting it on the fiat side, there are a lot of people with cryptocurrency that would love to grow it uh, over time. Um, and that's why we created the blockchain platform. Any business is available to sign up, but we want business owners to connect with investors uh, in order to receive that funding and to make sure we have a directory so businesses can support other businesses, education portal, so you can actually learn about raising money, and as well as we use something called a social credit score, uh, which we're building now, where you can actually, the more information you put into it, the more viable you are, and there is no race attached to it or credit score attached to it as well. So wow. it's literally what has business done um, and that social credit score would determine that. And the more information you give, uh, the less risk is involved. Because if you have somebody's name, face, EIN number, taxes from last year, and, uh, and you actually met them in person, things of that nature, you wouldn't feel too bad you know, investing in cryptocurrency at that point. That's sort of the barrier people are at. Well, I'm not sending no crypto to a random person. Right. What are we talking about? Yeah, these are all businesses. These won't be random people. Because uh, there are peer-to-peer loan uh, platforms, but it's usually person-to-person. Uh, but this will be more business or person-to-business. So that's what blockchain is here to solve. Got to get some investment in black businesses, and uh, we want to provide that platform for people. Wow, man, that's super dope. Even the name, like blockchain, that's like that's yeah. like cold to me, man. That's like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cold, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all snap with that one. And, uh, do you, you got any more questions? Yes, but I don't have any more. We don't. We don't have any more questions, bro. But before we go, do you mind promoting well, I, the book? I have one question for yeah, you know. Where do you get your tracksuits from, man? I need. Mean, <laughs> 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 the famous tracksuits. <laughs> 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 
Hey man, I just I, I get a from you know I, I really rock with Puma right now, so I just. Well, I said I need the Puma. Yeah, just Puma dot com. Puma dot com. I need. I'll be saying like, man, I need a sponsorship, man. I'm gonna get that sponsorship. I'm gonna speak in existence. <laughs> right, we gonna speak into existence, bro. We gonna speak into existence. But I want, but uh, but uh, I want you to uh, like pro- promote the book for the people that's listening, so we could, you know, people go out there and get the book. Absolutely. Well, uh, the book is called Bitcoin in Black America. It is available for pre-order now. It is available online on Amazon on Kindle currently uh, okay. for you to get. And uh, paperbacks will be shipped out, and it will start July 11th. So Bitcoin okay. in Black America. Once again, it takes a look at the synergy between Black economics and Bitcoin and blockchain technology, uh, how we can use it to our advantage. Uh, also, it has a entire directory of Black blockchain professionals so you can actually see uh, over 40 people who actually work in the industry around the country these aren't just you know made up you know terms and things i'm just coming from me all these people are in that book as well so bitcoin in black america make sure you get it at the website www.bitcoinandblackamerica.com you can also follow me at bitcoin zay on twitter um and ask any questions you have there i can send the book uh to you as well so yeah book is out uh, can't we wait to hear some of the reviews? I already got a few reviews back. People are starting to like it. I mean, everybody's liked it so far, but you know, yeah. you, you write something or when you put out a project, you, your hands are tied. I can't really do it. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah, I haven't slept in like four days because uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, damn. So, uh, for people to read this book, I think it's a fresh, fresh take on uh, on how to solve our economic problems. Uh, it's something new. Um, nobody's really discussed it and uh, I think we have support from a lot of other communities as well outside of the black community mm. they understand our plight even if they don't say it out loud they understand is we can transfer these solutions to our community as well so um, uh, you know that's one of the best parts about this book so definitely pick you up one today yeah. and uh, for everyone if you're listening you're on the launch team you'll get access to our Q&A webinar July 21st uh, so for those of you who are looking for that, that'll be out. Any questions you have about the book, I'll be doing that July twenty first, and then I'll be posting it. Wow, yeah, man, man, we we definitely, you definitely got our support, and I'll be buying some copies soon as we get off this live, man. So you got our support with that. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. and I just want to say, bro, we we definitely appreciate all you doing, man. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Like I said, you got our support, and I'm looking forward to uh, meeting you in September at the summit, bro. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Likewise, man. <laughs> yeah, can we? Well, as well, but I love it, love it. Yes, sir. Well, appreciate you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Congrats oh, as well, you. man. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh yeah. Appreciate you, bro. Long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, brother. All right, brother. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindset Podcast with Bitcoin Zay. He dropped a lot of gems on that podcast as far as cryptocurrency, how to get involved, and all this stuff. And I, I would definitely advise y'all to at least. Look into or do your research into, you know what I'm saying, uh, getting some cryptocurrencies. If you're just not going to jump in and invest, at least look into it. And uh, also look into his book, Bitcoin in Black America. Like he gave you guys the site to go and check that out, man. Definitely support him. And uh, before we go, for the people who don't know, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Xavier C. Miller. And uh, Deanna, she's going to give you her info as well. And you can find me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent, Instagram, Deanna Kent, or Kent Real Estate, and Facebook, um, Deanna Kemp. All right, guys, with us, that's all we have for this episode. See y'all next episode. Peace. <coughs> on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take a risk because you're too afraid. I'm going to just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.